We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts. Uh, hey there, to quote uh, another host that you normally hear on this podcast feed. Uh, if you're coming to us on the Eurostep Podcast feed, wanted to introduce ourselves. Andrew Snyder and Adam McGee here. We're the hosts of Cruising for a Bruising. And uh, we've got you covered for all things Milwaukee Brewers throughout the regular season and now as we get into the postseason. So hope you'll subscribe to Cruising for a Bruising to join us on this journey uh, that seemed a lot more fun a few hours ago. Uh, Adam, I don't I don't uh, I don't have time for pleasantries. We might just need to get in it because I, I normally ask you how you are. And the answer is, you know, I'm well. And today I know the answer going into it. Uh, what I'm going to say first, because I'm going to get out of the way before I get emotional and forget, just to reiterate once again, for regular listeners, for people who are just dropping in on the book's feed sampling for the first time, uh, <laughs> the upcoming conversation will factor into how long this Brewers playoff run is, I'm sure, but we are going to do our very best to uh, really up the volume. You usually hear from us at the end of every series throughout the regular season. We're going to try and make that every game. So, you know, don't don't hold us to it. We've got some challenges, but we're going to make every effort that after every game and um, the following morning, we'll have a we'll have a pod for all of you on what went down. 
But yeah, Andrew, to get back to the matters at hand, it is the eve of the playoffs as we record this, and it should be really the most exciting point of the year for us from a first perspective. Um, the team has been looking really good. They've fought really hard to get here. And honestly, I spent a lot of the early part today reading kind of some playoff preview stuff, a lot of national stuff where people really like the Brewers, like really like the Brewers in a way that I maybe wasn't quite prepared for in a way that made me feel like, huh, it's not just me that sees this team is really good. Maybe people have noticed. Maybe people are paying attention. And then we just got just about as crushing a piece of news as I think we could possibly have gotten. I mean, it's right up there for the number one of what injury could the Brewers get right on the eve of the playoffs um, that would truly, you know, tear out our hearts and dramatically impact, I guess, what the most likely outcome of this postseason is for the Brewers. And that would be to hear that while Brandon Woodruff has had a recurrence of a shoulder injury, he is out for the wildcard series and he's TBD for the remainder of the postseason. And honestly, as we'll get to in some more detail, I think for anyone who saw Brandon Woodruff break down in tears um, as he spoke about this in his media availability, it doesn't seem great. He's scheduled to get a second opinion on this later in the week. It doesn't seem like Woody thinks he's going to pitch again anytime soon. And I do put stock in that because that was the thing that was worth putting stock in the last time he had this injury when the Brewers were being more optimistic. Um, And Woody himself seemed a little bit more cautious and seemed to be a little bit more in tune with what the ultimate outcome ended up being. Just absolutely devastating. Devastating. Um, the Brewers were set up to have the best trio of pitchers, I think, going into the playoffs. I, I don't even feel like that was really up for debate. I saw it kind of noted in multiple places today. And just like that, the guy who I think at his best has been the best of those three this season by quite a considerable distance. Looks like we won't be seeing him in the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Um he was probably slated to start game two of this series against Diamondbacks ace Zach Gallen. We'll talk about the individual matchups a little bit later in the episode, but obviously now that's probably not going to happen. Most likely scenario now is that Freddie Peralta moves into game two, but the Brewers have not uh, committed to what starting pitcher they will have to start that game. Just brutal um, for fans of the Brewers, for Brandon Woodruff himself especially. For the team in that clubhouse, uh, Woodruff choking up with tears in his eyes, talking about the injury. He says it sucked. He said, we got a good clubhouse and I want to be a part of that sitting here now. I may I may not. So very hard to hear and hard for Brewers fans to hear, because as people on Twitter and some of our listeners were sharing with us, you know, 2008 Ben Sheets goes down 2011, Sean Markham, 2018, uh, the Jeremy Jeffers stuff, which I think we saw a little bit uh during mm-hmm. some of our, our, our rewatches at the end of uh, last season. Uh, and then, you know, 2021 was Devin Williams uh, being out of action. So just when it rains, it pours in terms of injuries right before the playoffs are supposed to begin. And as you mentioned, a lot of people were high on 
the Brewers uh, more than we expected because typically when the national media is talking about the Brewers or even Milwaukee in general, it's just like a team that's underlooked. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was frustrated with national podcasts not giving them their due as, as they were rounding into form post-trade deadline. And now here we are. Uh, one of the top reasons that people were so high on this team was that run prevention. Uh, pitching and defense, obviously, have had, had an, a, a league average offense for the, uh, the post-deadline part of the season as well. But pitching and defense was the thing that stood out to everyone. And now one of your one of your key horses, your guy that you would expect to be a big game pitcher who has the mentality and and the stuff to go deep into games during an era where that's happening uh, not as much as it used to. You don't have those aces that just take the ball, go seven or eight in a playoff game. It's a lot of, uh, you know, early doors for starters and bullpen guys being used in any scenario and if there was a guy who was going to be a guy that gets you deep into a game and wins you a playoff game Brandon Woodruff we would have expected to be that guy and now it's it's not going to happen for at least the wild card series and I gotta say it just doesn't sound good even if they get past this it sounds like they'll be going into LA uh trying to to patch things together and uh it sucks I don't have anything more than that (laughs) I guess what I have is I I really strongly believe, and people who listen regularly have heard me say this, that I think Brandon Woodruff is up there with the very, very, very best pitchers in baseball. And I, I did think that this was going to be his opportunity to go and cement that position for himself and really, I guess, cement himself as at the forefront of Brewers pitching into the future. We know... Um, uncertainty would be kind of underplaying the situation surrounding Corbin Burns' future. Applies to Brandon Woodruff too right now. I mean, we won't overreact to it. We'll see how things pan out. He could miss the playoffs and there could still be much better news to come from this. And something that everyone can feel comfortable and confident about with some time off coming up now, but I just, I think you mentioned the mentality. I, I don't think we can just gloss that aside. Um, It's easy to just kind of, I don't know, sometimes you come out with intangibles and talking on a podcast and it can feel a little bit flimsy and you can feel a little bit kind of reluctant to go down that road. I think it's it's something that's really kind of, if you've been watching the Brewers, if you watch the Brewers throughout the season, if you watch the Brewers over multiple seasons, you know it's real. You know Woody is a guy who, when the games are at their highest kind of stakes or pressure, or when he finds himself in a situation like that, which, like his uh, his recent shutout, complete game shutout. It's the playoff team. Um, He spoke after that game about how that made him feel. It was something different, but he's always been really consistent in the bigger the stage, the better he pitches and the more he likes it. And that is kind of borne out in his performance too. That is not true of everyone. Um, we don't know what the negative energy out there, so we won't go too much into that for other pitchers on this roster. But it's just it's it's not true of every pitcher of that caliber around, you know, around baseball. But it's certainly not true for every pitcher on the Brewers either. So it's like you're going to battle in a playoff series. Who's the guy, number one, that you're like, I want that guy to be there as a starter in that series? For me, it would be Woody. And it's just particularly brutal. I think even 
we'll get into some of the the matchup stuff and even I guess the decisions the Diamondbacks had to make and how their own starting rotation was lining up and something of the roller coaster I've I've already been on over the last 24 hours in how I felt about the series um which was originally not great when this was the outcome of who they're playing to then when game one pitcher was announced for the Diamondbacks I started to feel really really great part of that was because hey Corbin Burns go out there do your thing let's win game one and then they've got their best stuff to throw at us they've got Zach Gallon out there but the Brewers have Brandon Woodruff to match him in game two and that that seems like you know you couldn't have a better path to not just going winning this series advancing but doing it as quickly as possible you know really favorable matchup where you think Corbin should come out well on top in game one and then your guy who's best suited for you know what could what could have been a hell of a pitching duel in game two that's now changed and the whole dynamic of the series changes with that and I really I think this is a coin flip I think this is a coin flip more than I think a lot of Brewers fans will probably still want to admit and we'll we'll see how it fares out but it's a it's a scary series it's tough I mean you don't expect anything else from the postseason but it's it's a little bit disappointing because the Brewers have been so, so good and we had so much to feel great about that I think we were imagining coming into a series where it's like, yeah, they're, they're favorites. They'll win in commanding fashion. I don't see that part now. I think they can certainly win. I would still pick them to win, but they will need some guys to step up and deliver in a slightly different fashion than maybe we would have anticipated for this series. Yeah, I definitely think um, it would be good to see the bats really step up and double down on what they've done in the second half of the season and like have one of those really blowout games early to make you feel a little bit better. Um, but we'll see how that shakes out as we talk about this in more detail should we uh transition to kind of where we've come down each of us on what this final uh roster will be for the wild card series yeah let's do it i think we're probably going to be in in lockstep on this okay um so i've taken i think i've got all the right numbers here i'm pretty sure this is 26 if i if i've gone uh, over somewhere apologies but uh this is kind of what i've tried to glean from what Kurt Hogue and McAlvey and Rosiak and everyone has has said over uh, the last few days, and then also now taking into account Brandon Woodruff's injury. So I'm going William Contreras and Victor Caratini as the catchers, Carlos Santana and Rowdy Tellez at first base, Bryce Terang, Andre Monasterio at second, Josh Donaldson third base, Willie Adamas sh- shortstop, Sal Freelich, Garrett Mitchell, Blake Perkins, Tyrone Taylor, Christian Yelich in the outfield, Mark Canna and the for the last spot on the roster, there's too much smoke around beat riders thinking he's going to be on the roster for him not to be there. Jesse Winker, um, Adam Windhorst had that uh, on yesterday's podcast uh, first. Um, and then and starting pitchers. Just go to your outfielders again. I just want to make sure you do have them at right because you've already you've uh, left someone out. Sal Freelich, uh, cool. Garrett Mitchell, Blake Perkins, Tyron Taylor, yeah. Christian Yelich. Cool. I didn't hear you say Garrett Mitchell. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's okay. That's, that's, that's I guess, an, another one of the uh, 
the wild cards as well as Craig seems non-committal on what his role will be. Um, but I've got him on my roster. So Cannon Winker and the DH spot, Burns, Peralta, Miley as the, the three starters. Devin Williams, Yoel Pimps, Abner Uribe, Hobie Milner, Trevor McGill. God willing, Elvis Pagaro if he's healthy, Bryce Wilson, and then now um, Andrew Chapin as well. And that's my that's my 26. Yeah, I mean, we're in lockstep. All, all I'll say on that is uh, I'd be bringing Joey Weimer over Jesse Winker, but they're not going to do that. Like, <laughs> we've, as you said, we talked about this on the the Cubs wrap-up pod to wrap up the regular season. It's just like, there doesn't really seem like a whole lot of good reason based on anything Winker has done with the Brewers this year, uh, based on where he has spent all his time recently and how he's performed there. But they've had him around the team a lot. They've had him around the team. I really would have thought it would be a good idea to get him at bats if you were going to do that. And your plan was also that he could be the thing that's going to save you in a spot where you need a big hit. But um, no, it seems like he's going to make it. Um, Kurt Hogan, the Journal Sentinel, kind of penciled him in in his predictions as someone that the Brewers are probably going to give that spot to because of, you know, the possibility of him giving quality at-bats. Like, I, I get there's a marked difference between what Jesse Winker and Joey Weimer give you because of Winker's plate discipline. But I just haven't seen enough Jesse Winker at-bats in so, so long that I think it's kind of crazy and I don't feel great about it. Um, Like, it's purely betting on an idea of a player. I'm betting basically on the idea of the player that we were excited about when they signed him last offseason rather than anything he actually was with the Brewers. Because if they find themselves in a big spot and, you know, there's going to be substitutions made, a pinch hitter is going to come in and it's like season's on the line. Here's Jesse Winker. I'm going to lose my mind. I don't like that. Just it's so insane. It's you really can't rationalize that based on anything that has happened over an entire season, over 162 game season, and over what he's done with the Nashville Sounds. It's not like he went to AAA and you know tore it up down there. Where it's like, hey, Jesse's banging on the door; he's got to come back. And so with that, you've got someone take up a roster spot who is going to do so to hit, even though he hasn't hit. Like to say he hasn't hit well is the understatement of the century. And he can't offer you anything defensively. He has no utility as a pinch runner either. Uh, Joey Weimer would be getting this buff for me. I mean, I know the other thing for this series, the pitching matchups, there is going to be appeal to uh, to having a lefty hitter. But again, we're talking about ideas <laughs> more than we're talking about anything grounded in reality. I love the idea of it. Um, if this was me, you know, playing the show, Andrew, Jesse Winker would be on my roster and he'd be crushing home runs. But Jesse Winker is like even less than a shadow of himself all season. And this just feels like a super, super massive spot to just use a roster spot on him. Again, not to sound like a broken record, but you could have brought Tyler Black up earlier and hey, maybe maybe he catches some fire and you're like, hey, let's bring this guy along for the ride. I just the other options aren't great. I mean, I Abram Toro, as much as he kind of hit pretty well, 
when he was up with the Brewers, it was always in such small bursts and such tiny samples that I don't really put too much stock in it. And Owen Miller, we saw how good he could be, but that's a long, long time ago. But even in the comparison here, at least Owen Miller had a time this season where we were like, God, Owen Miller's playing really well. He deserves to be on this team. That can't be said of Jesse Winker, so it's kind of crazy. It should have been Tyler Black. It should have been settled uh, weeks ago, and he should have gotten at bats, especially the last week of the season, and just been kind of a fun, he's their guy to pinch hit in a scenario where you think, like, say... Bryce Terang's coming to the plate. You don't feel good about Bryce in that at bat, whatever it is. Very possible. Tyler Black pinch, Black, t- Tyler Black pinch inning is something that excites me. Um, Jesse Winker, not so much. That brings me to, I guess, the next question based on what we assume to be the roster. They're facing three, we presume, right-handed starting pitchers in this scenario. Brandon Fott, uh, Zach Gallon, Merrill Kelly. Um, seems like a no-brainer for many spots in this lineup. Contreras is going to catch Santana at first base, Tarang at second, uh, Donaldson at third, Adamas at short, uh, Tana probably DHing. In the outfield, do you think they go Yelich, Freelick, Taylor, or Yelich, Freelick, Perkins, or Yelich, Freelick, Mitchell? What do you think in there? Better not be be Perkins. Don't give me Perkins. I'm. I'm sorry, I, think I, the... just, I just think that that's... Uh, Taylor, okay, so Taylor, you're not getting exactly what you want matchup-wise. Tyron Taylor has been hitting really, really well, has been hitting home runs. Um, I have no issue if the decision is they're going to play Tyron Taylor. Gary Mitchell looks good. I, I don't know exactly what it is that Craig isn't seeing or that he's not sold on yet, if that's the case. Were there any more quotes on that today? I, I haven't seen any. I don't know if you caught any on that. Um... There was one. Let me find it while you're talking. I I would be going Mitchell. So would I. I would not be afraid. And honestly, this applies to Sal too, who hasn't been quite as good lately to uh, maybe change things up after, you know, a couple of at-bats, even if it's relatively early in a game and bring Tyron Taylor in in some of these spots. Like Tyron Taylor has, has earned the chance to play a meaningful role here. And I think he should probably start at least one of these games as we see how it goes. But I would be leaning Mitchell. I Perkins, look, Perkins c- continues to do all off very well. I just, I can't help it. I don't see it. And if I have to watch him have big at-bats in a playoff game when they could be Garrett Mitchell's or they could be Tyrone Taylor's, I think I'd go crazy. I just, it doesn't seem like a smart decision, particularly like in Mitchell's case. Mitchell can Mitchell's a really good athletic defender. You know, he he can provide a lot defensively too. Um, he's a better runner. Like a lot of the things that are frequently put forward as you know the pros of Blake Perkins. Um, I, that's that's how I'd go. I'd go Mitchell, but maybe the Brewers have something that is the reason for not going that way. But to me, it doesn't feel like what he's what he's actually done because. He's had some good outings. He's hit well. Yeah, Perkins is not is not starting, I don't think. I just wanted to scare you a little bit there. Um, well, don't. To, to, it's not the day, Andrew. We've already got bad news up today. The conversation. And you're like, how about, um, you know, no, Brandon Woodruff, they start Blake Perkins. How about that? Um, yeah, uh, Tyrone, obviously. Uh, 
is some somebody that can provide some some thump, uh, whether that's in a starting role or a bench role. Um, I think with the um, right-handed heavy starters that they're going to face in this series, I think I would go with Mitchell from from jump, see how it looks. And like you said, you've got Taylor for one of those late-game pitch-hitting opportunities, playing the matchups if they bring a lefty out of the pen or just in general um, because you want a, a, a guy that has that potential for a home run in a big spot. And if, I don't know, if day one, if Mitchell's like just not looking up for it or whatever it may be, you start t- Taylor in game two. I think that's the the group of four that we'll see or I, that I would use in and out of that that outfield mix. Um yeah, I just wanted to, to put that forward and see what you thought about how that would work. Like you said, Mitchell, even if uh, he's not the starter, late game defensive replacement, um, late game pinch runner uh, to add a little bit of a spark there. So there is another option uh, in here as this series unfolds. Or maybe mm-hmm. it could just be with the configuration. I don't think enough has happened for this to be earned. But it is rare and it is interesting to see the Brewers of all teams where usually it feels like we just see lefties. Um, if Rowdy at DH and it's a possibility and we could see it once and you could be kind of could be in the outfield or Yelly could DH like it, what they have various configurations where you could you could move around to make that or Santana with DH. I think Santana uh, would play first, Rowdy would DH, Yelly in lefts, uh free looking center, Cannon and right would be that kind of Yes, yes, that's that's that would be probably the best way to do that. I think that's possible. You're not I don't expect to see that game one because Rowdy just hasn't done enough or close right. to enough for that to be the case. But they could find themselves pretty quickly in a situation here where they're like, God, we need pop and we just need the tread of home runs. Uh, Mark Hanna had an interesting quote about that today which like I like how clear-headed and smart he is, but it also scares me a little bit for the Brewers, uh, which was, I stand by those comments. These are previous comments he had on the importance of hitting homers in the playoffs. You have to slug, you have to get on base. In the three-game series, you got to do it, and you got to do it in a short window. That's the formula, I think. Like, if there is any concerns to be had here, it's that the Brewers can be pretty shy when it comes to home runs. This is a massive, massive series for Santana, for Bill, for Willie Adamas, and for Marcana. I think they're the guys you're looking to first and foremost. And let's say if it's game one and Rowdy ends up pinch hit late on and he has a nice at-bat, has a nice hit or something, I wouldn't be surprised if game one doesn't go to plan if it becomes, okay, we just need another threat for home runs there. I mean, that's also to your previous question. Part of what I like about Mitchell is just, I mean, the Brewers are lucky in that whether it's Mitchell, Perkins, Taylor, like all of those guys are fast and are are good options if they get on base. I feel like Mitchell is the fastest, though. I, I don't know if you disagree with that. I'm like wrong on that. It's been a, been a while since you've really seen him for too long. But I do think he is the fastest and he is the best runner of the bunch where that is another reason why he is useful here, because I really, I now think like the Brewers chances of this being a ultra, ultra low scoring three games where, you know, the odd run is going to do it. And 
you just can kind of get out of there playing something which is i guess more traditional recent years brewers baseball not necessarily what they've been doing of late i think they take a hit quite clearly with woody going down and this is a diamondbacks team that certainly is the top end of their lineup you've got really really high pedigree hitters who they're just they're gonna hit like corbin carroll is gonna be on base um Catel Marte is probably going to be on base. Guriel, like, I I hope, Andrew, I hope this won't happen, um, but it's very, very possible that Christian Walker will hit a home run in the series. So with all of that, you're in a spot where it's like, okay, we're going to have to respond. We're going to have to make every opportunity count. We're going to have to score runs because particularly if you find yourself in a spot where you're now um, kind of short notice on the fly plan that's going to be put together for game two doesn't quite go exactly as you'd like it. You're going to have to bridge that gap. You're going to have to make up for it. And it can't just be like, oh, well, that's today. There's always another day. You know, at that point, it could be gone. You know, you've got to make game one count. I think the advantage there, we'll maybe talk more specifically about it in a moment. The Brewers need the best version of Corbin Burns they've ever had. And like this is we've kind of tiptoed around it and we've mentioned it in brief moments for quite a while. Like we all know where it's at. We all know that this is possibly his final like this could be his last game as a Brewer. Um, If they go out and they lose this series, may never see him as a Brewer again. And I really do think his legacy is going to be in part defined by there's a big spot, you know key guy has gone down at the last minute but still this team should be in good position still they should have enough you get to go out first lead the team out and you've got a got a really favorable matchup in the opening game of the series Corbin Burns should be going and winning that game for the Brewers putting them in a dominant position going seven you know maximum kind of one to two runs allowed and walking out of there being like that is that is the start of an elite playoff pitcher. We've seen the variance in Corbin's game this year, though, so there's no there's no guarantees on that. And I think kind of um, maybe there'll be more casual Brewers fans who kind of tune in or tune out, and they know who Corbin Burns is as as Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, and they'll feel great about that. But there is some reason for trepidation that I think will certainly be there for us and a lot of people who watched it second half of the season even there's been you know what Corbin Burns are we getting today and I think we'll still be asking that question when he takes it amount to to pitch in the playoff setting so I think every run is going to matter and that will factor into your decisions of like if they feel like Garrett Mitchell gives you a slight edge that you know he might just cover that tiny bit of ground faster to get a run in I think then he is he is definitely the guy you should be starting at center field. And if it then happens to be ready to let shows you something, you're like, we need an extra little bit of pop. Well, then you juggle things around and something like that can happen too. So, I mean, the upside is that I think there are some options. They're not all great options. They're not all perfect. This is not a Rowdy Tellez hitting like he was last season. This is not a Garrett Mitchell who's been healthy all year and has had a great season at his back. Um, the Brewers do have some options, but they just... They need guys like they need someone to be the hero or multiple players to be heroes that like 
that we circle this series and it's like, oh, remember the Carl Santana series or the Marcana series? It does feel like that is part of what might just be needed to to get this done. I mean, that's playoff baseball, too, as well. Like random guys going over and taking a series. I mean, I'm sure Dodgers fans remember Eddie Rosario uh, turning into Babe Ruth in the uh, 2021 NLCS against them, which is something, you know, that wouldn't be on your bingo card. Uh, so, yeah, they need guys to step up, guys that you expect to step up first, and then maybe some unsung heroes that you don't expect to step up. Um, and that's where the question lies uh, for the Diamondbacks. Uh, an interesting team, a team that um, was red hot offensively uh, through the early portions of the season, cooled off towards the second half and especially post-trade uh, deadline. A team that's very top-heavy in terms of their key offensive contributors, and they have a selection of guys like at that high end that that do really scare you, and you wonder if they could step up. Obviously, that's Corbin Carroll, uh, first of note, a guy who's going to, I assume, run away with the, the National League um, Rookie of the Year award, a guy who... Uh, you would expect to factor into MVP voting and all-star games on a perennial basis if he reaches his his upper level of what he can be as a player. Um, this season had a 134 OPS plus, 25 homers, uh, 54 stolen bases, so speed's a big factor of his game as well. Um, then you've got Cattell Marte, who had a, a really good year. I mean, the three really reliable guys at this uh the top of this order for the Diamondbacks each played in 150 games, 128 OPS plus for Marte, 25 homers for him. Um, and then Christian Walker, another guy you mentioned who uh, led the team um, in home runs with 33, a 123 OPS plus um, played in 157 games. First baseman who's become reliable. You've got Lourdes Coriel as well. Gabriel Moreno, who's really solid uh, behind the plate, had a, had a good year at the plate. I mean, not, not as good as Bill Contreras, but, you can uh, live up to his uh, offensive production levels and uh, pitch framing abilities behind the plate. He's he's special. Uh, and then guys like Gerardo Podomo, who tailed off after uh, I think he was he made the All Star game. Does that sound right? Um, I think he did tailed off towards the second half of the season. Saw a little bit of regression there. Uh, Alec Thomas in the outfield, who's um, had a, probably not lived up to the potential that they thought. He had, but one of those guys that you wonder could he have a big moment in a playoff game and mm-hmm. be one of those unsung heroes? Um, obviously leading the rotation. A funny thing about this series is, did you mention? Did you mention you know friend of the podcast there? Which honestly, I'm terrified uh, I, about us keeping that bit going for so long. Now it feels yeah. like that that was a bad idea, Andrew. Yeah, that is a tough bit. That uh, Tommy Pham, obviously the trade deadline acquisition for the Diamondbacks. Uh, a flawed player, but a guy that, man, you could really see him coming up with a big hit and just dunking all over us. Um, yeah, so it's the question of does their second half offensive drop off? Is that the team they are over the course of these three games? Or does someone step up and and swing a series by A, being the contributor you would expect in the Carroll Walker uh, Marte sense of the word or one of those unsung heroes at the bottom of the lineup coming through and just having like a let me do the math on it bats like going six for 12 in a series and just hitting a couple homers and and just swinging things uh 
those are the factors at play. I'm obviously holding my fire on the rotation because we'll get to that as we go game by game. But yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I, I mean, part of my concern here is even if we just want to take the top four guys, um, the Diamondbacks have four players with 24-plus home runs. Christian Walker with 33, Tom Marte with 25, Corbin Carroll with 25, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with 24. Uh, 24 is the high mark for the Brewers with Willie Adamas, and you drop off to 19 with Yelly beyond that. And I, yeah, I you do, talk... I do think to Marcana's point, like, that is part of... That's what worries me here, even more so now when... My God, Miley has been so good all season, and uh, not to jump into this, but he's he's a guy who pitches to contact. And if it's a night where that's slightly off, and you get a lot of base traffic, and then you've got some real heavy hitters who have no problem clearing those bases, it can get away from you in a way that's just tough for the Brewers to keep up with. Now, the Brewers have done an exceptional job of scoring runs in bunches, really in the past two, maybe even two and a half months. But it is that kind of lack of power at the top end and that not factoring in for, well, what if Tommy Pham decides he's going to have two homers in this series? Like, which is entirely possible. Like, he is more than good enough and more than capable as a kind of a power hitting guy to be like, oh, this is a cool moment. I'm going to go and do that. The flip side of that is he could, you know, strike out four times and really give them absolutely nothing. But the the kind of the high-end upside of what the Diamondbacks have, it does still scare me. I know we were having some conversation about this in our in our Discord with some listeners beforehand, and I'll shout out Steven, not not the person we shout out in the recent podcast who's no longer getting shouts out. Um but like noted as you've kind of alluded to that there there is an element yeah. of a drop off here in this team. I think that's very valid, but this is also just this is the smallest of samples, and part of this is 
to be very old school about it. It's just it can't be quantified by numbers because some of this is going to be like, oh, well, this is the playoffs. Like, who wants it? Who of these guys are like, yeah, I'm going to take my game up a level. And who between the two teams is like, I'm actually going to, you know, wilt under this pressure somewhat. Like Corbin Carroll, for example, who scares the life out of me because I just think he could be on base pretty much every time. And if he gets on base, he could steal, you know, second and then steal third. And you're just you're looking at runs ticking over pretty easily. We could just find out that he is like next level when the lights are brightest and he is an elite playoff performer. As an example, like it's like there's no lock for that to happen. There's no at this point we can't we can't really ground that in anything beyond he looks like a really exceptional player with a strong mentality. And you know, if the Brewers are down a starting pitcher, I start to get a little bit nervous about well if the Diamondbacks even get 65 to 75% of what a hot version of their offense looks like, it could just be one of those cases where the Brewers don't have something to match it. Like, you're going to need home runs in this series. Mark Hanna's nailed it. You're going to need them, so who's going to get them? Um, we're in a spot where the Brewers have been delivering on that front, but they are delivering by committee, and it's in these kind of moments where that can become tough, and all it takes is literally two nights where that doesn't click into place and you're gone. Um, this would be a great time for Christian Yelich to like look like he looked at the absolute peak of his play this season to look like MVP Christian Yelich. Like something like that, then you win the series 100%. But the Brewers are going to need someone to go and be a star. They're likely going to need multiple. You'll need a pitcher to go and do that and you'll you'll need a position player to go and do that. Um, it's also entirely possible, like the Diamondbacks have done for the past couple of weeks. Maybe they're just so out of form, and they just they'll stink it up. Um, I'm not betting on that, and I'm not really putting any stock in. Oh well, look what they've just been doing, or kind of the trend is the season resets. This is what these guys have played for all season. They've been playing with the pressure of just trying to get in. Guess what? That's all off your shoulders. You're in now. And you can start and you can you could swing harder, you could swing faster and be like, let's just go and do this. The Brewers, we can take the Brewers. And I, I do think we've got to be honest, if we were a Diamondbacks podcast, we'd be pretty pumped up right now about, you know, the news that's come out in terms of we might be saying, oh, you know, you, you want to be the team of full strength. But it's a massive, massive boost to their chances of winning this series that Brandon Woodruff won't be pitching. And I think you'd be like, yeah, we've got what it takes to win this series. And I do think they they have that. Um, I think more times than not, if you were to kind of run a simulation on this, the Brewers will win the series still. But I legitimately feel like there is a lot to fear here because of just how good those kind of top few guys are in the power tread and just like Corbin Carroll. Once again, I find really, really terrifying. This all also speaks to the futility of trying to predict a three-game playoff series. It's just like anything could happen. Uh, so there's all kind of reason for optimism and all kind of reason for pessimism. And then until you see it on the field, none of it matters, um, which will take me to kind of the Brewers part of this discussion before we take a look at the the pitching matchups uh, more uh, in detail. Adam, the Brewers and the Diamondbacks played six times this season. The Diamondbacks went four and two against them, though 
that Brewers team and lineup is largely very different than the one that that played the Diamondbacks. Uh, Brewers went to Arizona in April, the 10th through the 12th, lost uh, the opener 3-0 behind a good performance from uh, Zach Gallon. Andrew Chafin actually picked up the save for the Diamondbacks in that game. <laughs> uh, Corbin Burns then uh, faced off against Merrill Kelly the next day. Brewers won 7-1. to And then uh, Brewers lost, I think, a Jansen junk start in that Wednesday finale. So the two uh, through lines of that is we're getting a, a, Bor- a Burns uh, pitching matchup in this series against Brandon Fott, and then Zach Allen will go the next day against presumably Freddie Peralta. They also played in June. Um, do you want, do you so want to leave that... this part out? No, I, there. I don't know if I, you I want to reflect too it, much on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be there for uh, the wild card series, so there's no no. I wasn't blaming that... you, to be clear. Uh, oh, I know, I know. It's, it's You're uh, not that powerful. Fair, but yeah, I was there for three three games in June, uh, the first of which was a, a Corbin Burns start that uh, did not go well. Don't have the box score in front of me, but uh, I just remember sitting down next to our uh, our good friends, uh, Numak, Kelp, and Jordan, with a bag of cheese curds and a couple beers. And as soon as I knew it, doubles were landing in front of my face as I was sitting in the right field bleachers. The Brewers would end up losing that game uh, nine to one. Uh, Burns went five out eight hits, seven earned. Uh, they bounced back the next day. Um, and when Jesse Winker uh, actually homered in that baseball game, uh, which is uh, funny because l- not 30 seconds, or I think actually it was a few minutes before because it had to have been like in a previous at bat. I texted you, I think Winker is cooked, and then he would proceed to homer in the next at bat. So if, uh, if our doubt now can manifest some sort of act of God, uh, that's fine. And then, it, uh, but just to be clear again, because I know we might have some people listening and being locked in on all things Brewers short season, that was Jesse Winker's only home run of the season. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if, if, uh, maybe I need to just be outside the ballpark tailgating and if he pinch hits, just immediately enter the stadium and, uh, see if we can conjure up some more magic. Although I guess I did watch him have plenty of other at bats throughout the season where it went less successfully. We did have that, like, uh, golf shot uh opposite field double at the met series we were at i think uh we were mm-hmm. commenting on that and then they lost uh the finale of that series uh julio tehran for a bit went step for step with zach gallon i think the only run the brewers got off gallon that day was a rymel tapia solo homer which just goes to show you how different uh <laughs> this milwaukee team is at this point i was reading the uh the athletics preview of this series um and they had the their tail of the tape they had the the diamondbacks with 4.63 runs per game the brewers at five or 4.50 so 14th and 17th starting pitching era uh diamondbacks at 4.65 which is 21st brewers at 3.96 as we know the diamondbacks uh have that top heavy rotation and you get two out of three of those guys in this series if it goes to full three so those guys are are scary and then bullpen just just on that because take woody out of the Brewers number two, like those numbers are much closer in reality than that. All the snapshots everyone will see, will see on the broadcasts suggests because of who the Zionbacks are going to be picking 
and who the Brewers have lost. The gap is not what it once was in that department. Yep, and uh, 3.43 bullpen ERA for the Brewers, uh, 48 defensive run saves for the Diamondbacks, uh, 68 for the Brewers, so fourth and second. Brewers, uh, one of the better defensive teams in the league. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, since August 1st, the Brewers have been uh, a very different team offensively. I chose August 1st uh, because that was the first game that Mark Canna played, and I need to keep it on brand. Uh, many people are calling it the Canna effect, not just me, many people. The Brewers have played 55 games since that point and scored 284 runs, which is uh, ninth in baseball. They've got a dead even 100 WRC plus, so a league average offense since acquiring Canna. Uh, Santana. Since then, Sal Freelick had his contributions. Uh, William Contreras kind of up-leveled. Tyrone Taylor had a big second half. So a lot different than when these teams played in April and then June. Um, I don't know if you had anything to add or if that should just bring us to going through what we think uh, the head-to-head matchups are going to be. They're a lot different, but I think the side I'll focus on that generally isn't that different is the pitching and I, I don't think we should just kind of be like oh things are different the the pitching is the same <laughs> um i mean woody didn't pitch in any of those games right neither did freddie i don't think miley did did freddie not have the last start in that series you were the... uh that was tyron yeah so Freddie must have missed that start. Well, look, I guess you got that going for you then. I mean, across five games, the Brewers allowed, or across six games, the Brewers allowed 30 runs to the Diamondbacks. So you're looking at an average of five runs per game, and I that's not really where it's changed. And there are parts of the Brewers, um, parts of the Brewers' bullpen, which was maybe a little bit sharper at that time too. Like that is where my concern lies. I'll be honest that it's purely in that department where I was hoping that Woody was going to go deep into a game, not allowing any runs and that that would put you in position to get that game. I think take that away and your margin just shrinks. And I think um, as much as we could talk about, Oh, what it means in terms of losing Brandon Woodard for pitching, what it means is you need your, your bats to be so much better. Um, I just, <laughs> I, I think you're asking more of them because you're going to need it. Um, you're going to need that cushion. That's where my concern is. I mean, they've done a really good job of it lately, but we do know that if there's one thing that everyone has always talked about, about being scared, is the fact that this offense can just kind of turn off. And this time around, I guess it's if that happens while well, your season's over. But the reason for optimism, I mean, I, I wouldn't put too much stock in, I guess, the overall scores. I wouldn't put too much stock in the Diamondbacks winning four of six against the Brewers in the regular season. But I do think, sure, it's a version of the Diamondbacks that was playing a whole lot better. Their offense was better at that point. I don't think it's impossible for those guys to hit well for two games. You know, oh, of course not. But like as as we're previewing uh, three games for sure, as part of what could still be like a really a bad trend for where they're at, like they could do that, they could sweep the Brewers, and then they could go on and get swept themselves and not be able to hit anything in the next round. But that's 
there is a threat there with this Diamondbacks team, and they have demonstrated that against the Brewers and the Brewers pitching already this season. So that's the that's the concern. I mean, if we're to go to the positives of it, it's pre-trade deadline. <laughs> if they had somehow got to this spot, which they wouldn't have, but let's assume that they do and we're previewing this series. I, I think I'd feel like they're complete and utter goners. Like the difference Santana and Kana make to the offense is so, so significant. Like, I, I think those guys being not just like, not just what they've offered in terms of power, but being so reliable and consistent that that's kind of how the Brewers' offense is being remade. And William Contreras has done a great job of being kind of the, the beating heart of that for the Brewers alongside Yelly, I think, for, for most of the season. Willie has had his ups and downs, but I think is generally, I think, rounded out in a way that we'd feel pretty positive about what has been a challenging season. I think he's done enough where you kind of come out of it and you're like, look, you you fought through that and put a good season together without it being anywhere near your best. But those two trade deadline acquisitions, like that might just be the tiny little bit extra you would need to get over the line here. Because they can affect many are many are saying that. Sure, I'll I'll go with that just for you. The counter effect might be the little bit extra that's needed for the Brewers to close this one out. Uh, side note, uh, you mentioned William Contreras and just the consistency, and then the up leveling he showed throughout this year. We talked about down ballot MVP votes. Finished eighth in the National League in Fangraphs wins above replacement. So just what a season from William Contreras in his first year in Milwaukee. Um, I guess that's a perfect jumping off point to talk about the individual pitching matchups. Obviously, we're doing a lot of assuming here based on who we know to be available. Uh, we do know the first one, though. That's Corbin Burns on the mound against Brandon Fott. Uh, Corbin Burns, uh, not up to his elite best this season, uh, as we know and have talked about many times. It, uh, it was a it was a hot and cold season for Corbin. He'd go out and put up a great start, and then lose it in one or two bad innings where things just got the best of him. Still finished the season with the sixth best uh, ERA for qualified starters in the National League, 339, 193 and two-thirds innings pitched, 200 strikeouts, uh, a 1.07 whip, which I believe um, led the National League for qualified starting pitchers. Uh, sort tool tells me it did. He'll be going up against Brandon Fott. Um, Fott is a highly regarded rookie uh, for the Diamondbacks. Had a challenging rookie season at times, showed flashes of what he could eventually be. Uh, it's funny um, that when we've gotten into discussions about early in the season, Corbin Burns trades and what that could look like in the offseason. If the Diamondbacks were to get into the mix, I don't know that I think they will, although maybe they will considering everything we've said about them having one and two horses. Maybe they want a third horse next season. If this playoff doesn't go well, that's neither here nor there. Fott was a name that uh, kept coming up. Um, but Fott Corbin, 90... Corbin and Corbin sells itself from a marketing perspective, you know, it really does. Um, it really does. So Fott was, uh, through 96 innings this year, 18 of which came in starts a five, seven, two ERA. Um, obviously a guy coming into this game, making his first career playoff start. He's never pitched with this kind of pressure. Uh, 24 years old, um, was a fifth round pick in the 2020 draft. Um, yeah, so Burns versus Fott. This is the spot in the probable pitchers 
where you would expect um, the Brewers to have an advantage. And honestly, I think the key to this series in its short sampled nature is to take advantage of who you're facing and to just overwhelm this guy making his first postseason start uh, who, you know, has never faced pressure like this. Obviously guys that get to the big leagues have had to face pressure throughout their career and have had to um, find stuff like this, but just overwhelm him early, knock him out of the game, get to their bullpen, get the bullpen working and just crush them in game one. Hopefully Corbin matches with a stellar performance of his own. Um, Yeah. Uh, I think that's the key. Uh, he it is of note that he had a eight uh, three six ERA in June uh, in twenty three and two thirds innings. Had one terrible start, or in, that was in May, excuse me. He had one terrible start in June, and then in July, uh, August, and September, it hasn't been terrible. Four six three ERA in July, four zero one ERA in August, uh, four three two ERA in September. But this is the one clear area in the three games you'll have on the mound where you have the clear advantage in theory. And I think the Brewers offense and Corbin Burns need to answer the call and put this game one in their pocket before heading on to the rest of the series. It's been a topic of great discussion all season. Uh, Where's the run support for Corbin Burns? Got to jump on him early and give Corbin something to work with and let Corbin go out there and feel like, yeah, it's a playoff game and I've got a lead to protect and then let him go deep in protecting it. I think that is very much, you know, the it's the dream scenario, but it just has to be the template. Like, you've got to make that your reality here to some extent. The Brewers have got to get hits, get guys on base early, and try and do some damage. And give Corbin something to work with, and then the door is open. It's not like if you lose game one, you're done. Uh, you still have two games you can go and turn this around. I do think how the Brewers' response in Game 1, though, will be somewhat decisive. Um, I think if the Brewers win it, maybe maybe that just doesn't matter. If you can put up a really convincing performance, as you say, get into their bullpen a little bit, maybe you can just be in a spot where you're you're primed, where Wade Miley is going to go out there and have the game of his life, uh, which is always capable of Wade Miley. Wade Miley, for what it's worth, like... God, there's always two sides to all these stories and the flip side of it. Wade Miley has been phenomenal for the Brewers this year and has come up with so many great, great performances that I am devastated. I hate that we're not seeing Woody. But the other part of that is if Wade Miley ends up starting playoff games and like going out there and pitching gems to help the Brewers win series, that will absolutely rule. And I don't think there are many guys more deserving of that on this roster than Wade Miley too. And I don't think there are many guys in the roster that the whole, you know, whole clubhouse would be happier for. Seems like one of the most popular figures among, you know, um, management, coaches, players, everyone. So I guess that's, that's the other side of it. That's, that's kind of a little bit more fun, but yeah, I do think it's got to come down to gotta go jump on the kid early. Um, show him what playoff baseball is about and see how he responds to that and also you're in doing that you're giving Corbin what he basically never gets and you're giving him the opportunity to be like here you go go get your win let's let's go and take care of this and let's take one big step towards punching our ticket to the next round do you, do you want to have the conversation we had offline or uh 
do you do you think the or I can just ask it? Do you think the you Diamondbacks? Can, I don't know which one you mean. Oh, sorry. Oh, um, as in what they do? Is it even in terms of? Is this the now is this the, the pre conversation we had? I mean, because yeah, the, I'll I'll be honest look, about this. So this this is before Woody and everything. We were talking. We we're talking before we recorded our wrap up on the Cubs, and you predicted exactly this as their move that they wouldn't go Zach Allen in Game One. They wouldn't go Merrill Kelly in Game Two. And I was like, what? You've just, you've got to, you know, like, oh, they're on three days rest. Like, it's just, they're not going to do it. It just, just doesn't happen. Um, managers don't like to do it. Organizations, they just don't do that anymore. I think it's kind of insane. Like, I get it. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's, it's a genius move if it works out and it sets you up to go win the series and also have this really successful postseason. If he goes out there and gets his bell rung in game one and the Brewers win like 12 nothing, it's a dumbass decision that you've thrown your whole season away for. Um, and I would think a guy like Zach Gallen would be like, yeah, it is short rest, but like, get me out there. This is literally, this is literally all I have pitched for all season is to get to these moments and have a chance. Don't take it away. If you're Merrill Kelly in that situation, like, may not even get to pitch. May not even get to pitch in the playoffs because of this. It just doesn't seem... They haven't had the luxury the Brewers have had, which obviously has backfired in the Brewers anyway, but where the Brewers were able to line up, here are three best guys, and they are going to go one, two, three to start this series. I think if you can't get us a natural lineup, you've got to work it a little bit, and you've got to be like, this is the playoffs, and this is slightly different. If guys are game for it, which is always a key part in this, but I think you and I have zero doubt that Zach Gallen would have been game for it. Like they may be, they may be doing the Brewers a massive favor, and even though the matchup might have broken back to you know benefit them somewhat for Game Two, it's not going to make up for this. I I think the the gap in terms of any day pitching is going to be at its greatest in Game One, and if the Brewers take advantage of that, I mean you've put yourself right up against the wall and I don't know for what at that point. I, I, I personally think Zach Allen, like a tick below his, his very best in terms of velocity is considerably better to lead out with and to go up against Corbin Burns and to try and set a tone in a playoff series than the alternative. So it is, I've got used to it and we've talked a lot about it and I know you somewhat bemoan it like a you know hardened old school baseball man, which you know you you really are. Um, whatever, I will listen to all of those arguments in the regular season. The regular season is so long and it's such a slog, and it's it's just to get here. And your playoff run cannot be any shorter, and is never more filled with trepidation than it is at this moment. So to be like, eh, no, it's just just a tiny, we're just one day off where we're comfortable with, and potentially be in a spot where it could end up, it could end up looking like a punted game. I'm aware, like the sports don't work like that, and we could look really stupid, and he could go out there and throw eight shutout innings because this is life, right? And in that case, they're they're geniuses. But I just think in terms of process and playing the probability of who your best pitchers, who's most likely to go out and give you a chance to win. Like, this is a very big concession to the Brewers and opening the door where 
even more so if you're the Brewers, if you lose that, I mean, the Diamondbacks' confidence is through the roof. Like, you can't let them get away with it. You've got to take full advantage of this situation. Yeah, hardened baseball man, Andrew, you know, knows all the the logic about rest and recovery and sports science and third time through the order. But every now and again, I want to see somebody that's got that dog in them, like uh, back of the uh, back of the old days. Well, uh, respectfully, this is the playoffs. Like, if this isn't the moment where someone's going to show, and as a team, you're not like, okay, look, we know, we know, but we want to win, you want to win, you're our guy. Go out there and do that. And again, I don't, like, we both really respect and admire Zach Allen. I think he's he's one of the few starting pitchers that we probably, I don't think we've ever shot on. Um, like I think we're very, very much pro. Yeah, this guy is legit. Um, I'd guess he wants to be out there. He wants to be out there against Corbin Burns. Like that's the spot you want to be in, and go and set the tone, and you know, take care of business and bang your chest, and then say it's up to you guys. I've done my part, and we're we're in the perfect position to go in this series because I am the ace on this team and I delivered. And to do that knowing, yeah, next guy up is the second best guy we've got, and he has a chance to go and do the same. I think you flip that, and it's like, even for him, it's like, put your best pitcher in a spot. How would we feel if, and this is something that has entered my head, right? Because Woody last pitched against the Marlins when he gave up four runs in an inning. Uh, which was like, whoa, this never happens to Woody. He recovered very well, but his velocity was down. And in hindsight, he says that was that was the red flag. And it, it should have been something that he paid more attention to. Everyone picked up on why was his velocity down. And I guess in part because he kind of pitched his way out of that in a way that's very typical of Brandon Woodruff. Everyone kind of went, ah, oh, it's, it's probably fine. But that's quite a while ago, though. Um, even the bullpen that he threw is... Would that have been Saturday? Did they say it, did they say it was Saturday? I, I kind of feel like that would have been about right timing wise. Um, that sounds right. I've got forty even Friday, open, so. <laughs> uh, Friday, Saturday, somewhere in that range. So this, like the news breaking on Monday afternoon, and it it really feels like for the Brewers too has left them in this spot where Corbin is going to go, and Corbin is going to go on maybe one day less rest than you might ideally want Corbin to have. Like, if you could plan this out, you could have gone, okay, that's the right there going game one. Wade Miley, you get game one. Corbin Burns, you go against Zach Gall in game two. Now, the flip side of that, though, is if they lost game one, how would we feel about Corbin Burns with the pressure of, you know, this is it? You're down one nothing already, and you're going out there against Zach Allen. we got to win today. I don't think that's the spot we'd even want for the best pitcher on the staff that you've got to put out there. So for Zach Allen, if they lose game one, it's even it's a tough spot to put him in. Like, it is it is the highest level of pressure that he's going to face all season. Things could go wrong. So I, it could be a gift. It could be a gift. It may not be, but I just, I personally wouldn't feel good good about it i i just think 
the trade-off between, yeah, this guy, you know, is just not going to be quite at his best. Is that equal to, oh, but, you know, we can put this guy out at his best. They're not the same. Like, there's no doubt. Like, if you ask the Brewers who would they rather face, they don't want to see Zach Gallon. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But it could be something that's decisive. It could be giving the Brewers a head start that they'll be very grateful for given the adversity they're facing themselves. That transi- transitions us to the Game 2 matchup. Zach Gallon against Freddie Peralta, we presume. Gallon's had two starts against the Brewers this year. Like we said, uh, a lot of those lineups are largely different from Milwaukee. Are you presuming both... that, by the way? Because You think they'll go Miley? It's going to be a week since Miley pitched. It's going to be seven days since Miley pitched already. How many since Freddie? But Freddie had a bullpen for that game tree slot. Like that's that's where he was being prepared for. Yeah. That uh Kurt thought Freddie, so I'll go with Freddie until other other notice, but uh like we very well could see Miley in that spot or some kind of we haven't seen the roster now, so that makes it very yeah. hard to game it out perfectly. Um like for right now we'll go with Freddie. I guess it could be Miley. Yeah, Freddie or Miley. I'm they're they're game not, two and three not, either way. I, I don't think it's I'm complicated. Not, yeah. They are they are the two who are gonna be starting the final two games of the series for the Brewers. Uh, that April game for Gallon against Milwaukee, seven innings pitched, three hits, no runs, eleven strikeouts. Uh, the game that I was at, uh, seven innings pitched, three hits, one run on the Tapia homer, one walk, four strikeouts, and it was a pop out palooza. 15 fly ball outs uh, for Gallon on that day. Uh, overall, uh, 3.47 ERA on the year, uh, 220 strikeouts. Uh, was a workhorse, went 210 innings, I believe it was. Um, and uh, I, let's see, let, let me map this out. I believe he was, yep, second in the National League in innings pitch behind Logan Webb and Funny symmetry for this series, Adam. Uh, at four qualified starting pitchers, five, six, seven in order in terms of uh, ERA is Merrill Kelly, Corbin Burns, Zach Gallon. So uh, funny how they're all in the same spot. Um, again, like we said, facing off against Freddie Peralta, uh, who finished the season with a three eight six ERA, two hundred and ten strikeouts. It was. Uh, I'll, I'll use the same phrase again. It was a strikeout palooza for Freddie Peralta this year. His career high in strikeouts with 210 through 165 and two-thirds innings. Um, really came on strong uh, late in the season. His best month was uh, August when he threw 30 innings with a 2.10 ERA. Uh, Freddie, we know can have trouble with walks and homers when the command's not there, but when he's locked in, he's as good as any pitcher on the planet. Um, really, uh, if it's ready, uh, a mano a mano face-off between him and Zach Gallon. And uh, I got to say, I would want my ass in a seat at American Family Field if I was anywhere within the vicinity of Milwaukee on uh, Wednesday evening, because that's going to be fun. Yeah, it sure will. I mean, 
I still think this whole series is going to be pretty blockbuster stuff. Um, again, I think the teams, like part of the reason why uh, I have a, a level of fear going to this is I think the teams are not that far away. I think there's there's certainly a level of kind of this is going to be hard fought, whoever comes out on the right side of it. And it should be really, really kind of close, tense, like as playoff baseball goes, I think this is going to deliver in maybe ways that I don't know if like Phillies Marlins will. Um, and I mean, I guess that's also just the way the Brewers baseball goes, right? Is that it's it's unlikely to give us anything other than, you know, tight, tense, stressful baseball, even on the on the occasions when the runs come for the Brewers. That's great. That just means you're going to be in like an eight, seven nail biter instead of a one nothing nail biter. I don't want to spoil my Phillies takes, but I agree. I think they're going to dog walk the Marlins. But yeah, get down, get down to Amfam and support the Brewers. Um, they may particularly need it in that game. Need every little thing they can get to get them through this. This is this is it. And who knows? Like we're we're pretty damn bad right now. Uh, not ideal when you're feeling good with the playoffs to. Lose a player like Brandon Woodruff coming right into your preview podcast. Maybe that second opinion is great and miraculously he feels great and his velocity is back up. And, you know, Brewers take care of business and he's all ready to dominate the Dodgers. That is not impossible. It doesn't feel probable right now, but it is not impossible. So let's let's do everything we can to get the Brewers through this series and see where things stand as we move along this playoff journey. I guess that uh, brings me to my next projected matchup on Thursday. Uh, could be flip-flopped, like we said. Uh, Merrill Kelly towing the slab for the Snakes. 30 starts this year, 18 quality starts, a 3-2-9 uh, ERA, 177 and two-thirds innings pitch. Uh, not a big uh, velocity guy. Uh, his out pitch is that changeup, so uh, Brewers will have to, you know, stay keyed in on that. Uh, hopefully, uh, Wade Miley obviously is is ready to go after a long layoff, either on Wednesday or Thursday. But Miley, as we've mentioned many times, has been exactly what the doctor ordered for the Brewers in the middle of this rotation. Uh, 314 ERA on the year. Uh, the 36 year old from Hammond, Louisiana, pitched 120 and a third innings this year, and uh, 23 starts, nine and four record. If uh, if you were curious, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Like you said, I think uh, if there's a guy who's got that dog in him and is gonna uh throw six shutout innings with like only two strikeouts, but a bunch of soft contact defense is playing really good. And we, the Brewers are up five, nothing in the six and Wade Miley's tipping his cap to the crowd. And they're winning a game three to advance to the uh, NLDS. You know, I, I, I can picture it uh, earlier. I was saying, I can't picture or the last episode. I can't picture Craig council in a Mets uniform. What can I picture? Wade Miley tipping his cap at AmFam. I, I legitimately, I could see him being carried off the end of the game on his teammates shoulders, Andrew, I could see it. I I would love to see it. Um, I really really like Wade Miley, and I I think he somewhat earned that. I mean, I guess it is. It's interesting you break it down there because Miley's got a better ERA than Merrill Kelly, and Merrill Kelly is a 
really, really good starting pitcher. Um, bulk is going to be the difference here, though, and that is also, I guess, the thing to consider with Woody going down. Miley is capable, um, maybe in a more regular rhythm. This is the other thing, as opposed to if he ends up being eight days since his last start. Um, but he is capable of, you know, going seven, in- seven innings occasionally. He's done that, but it is more likely that we see him in the five range. And that yep, opens which... the door that then it like it could be Bryce Wilson who's had to do that all season. Um, but this could be, I mean, if we get to this game <laughs> and you're bringing pitchers in who matter at that point, the season is on the line and there are spots like we've never seen before. And depending how close the previous two games are and what the bullpen usage looks like from that, that like that to me might be another reason to go Miley game two, Freddie game three. If you win game one and you're guaranteed that worst case scenario, you're getting to game three. I think Miley as your game three starter could put some relievers in a spot they're not accustomed to. And make life a little bit more difficult for you. Maybe I'm overthinking that, but it is something that I just think in terms of how workload would be managed. It could go wrong. Freddie could blow up and only go three innings and then everyone's in big trouble anyway in your game three. But I think in again, mapping out what's more likely, I think the chances of Freddie giving you six anyway is probably slightly more likely than Wade giving you six. And then that could be okay, we'll hand the ball over to some combination of Elvis, Abner, or Yoel, and then Devon to close out a series and to win it. Where if it's Wade and it's five, or if it's Wade and then it goes slightly wrong and he's out there after four, um, then it becomes, okay, we need Bryce Wilson. But has he had to work before? Has Hobie Milner, who could be a guy who you need to get you out of kind of an inning Wade? has What's his work being like? And then what have you had to do for your your star kind of high leverage relievers? So... I guess as much as we have a lot of confidence in all those guys, that is the other variable in here is that the picture in relief is very different too in going from Woody to Miley, wherever the Miley start lands. Well, that saves me for exactly where I wanted to go to end this podcast um, because we've talked about the rosters. We've talked about the lineups. We've talked about the key batters. We've talked about the starting pitchers. We talked about the injury to Woodruff. But this key to this uh, series could be the bullpen. Uh, like we said, a league average offense that's uh, since the second half, an offense that struggled in the second half, but it is very top heavy with like really scary hitters. But also, what if these games are low scoring? Two great defensive teams. And we talked about how good the starting pitchers are. This could really come down to those crunch time moments late in games where a reliever's on the mound who, in theory, you trust, and they either get it done or they don't. How is Devin Williams going to perform if he's coming into a game in the, the eighth inning because that's the high leverage moment in the game? The old Piamps uh, has had two, back-to-back two good outings after a, a pretty sustained stretch of him teetering and then going over the edge. Elvis Figueroa coming back from injury. Like you said, Hobie Milner um, being used in some of a Swiss Army knife role if Andrew Chafin gets into a game like you had talked about uh, on our last episode. Chances are more likely now than they were before. And, uh, like, how does what does Arizona's bullpen look like? Kevin Ginkle, I think, has been their best reliever this year. Um, 
I don't know if Scott McGow is still hurt. He's a guy that we saw a lot every time they would play. Ryan Thompson, who I think they picked up off of the scrap heap from Tampa. Uh, Miguel Castro. Paul Seawald, who they picked up from uh, the Mariners, was it, midseason? So who of the bullpen mix of both teams are going to come in and get those uh, key outs? Admiral Rebe, I forgot to even mention, huge wild card in this series because he's a guy who's been absolutely dominant. You had the lingering peers in your mind about control command. Could that pop up in the worst possible moment? But he's also the guy that could get you out of a big jam because he's of his swing and miss stuff uh, and just the electric nature of his stuff in general. So a lot of things to balance there. We talked about everything that could possibly happen in this series. And the end of the, the end of the day, the ultimate thing is your entire season boils down to three games and who steps up, who wilts and uh, where does the dust settle? Who gets the luck to the bounce of a ball? Like it's ridiculous. Oh my God, does seem to be on the 15 day IL still. Um, so maybe he is not going to factor into that. Who is your seven, eight, nine following an ideal, you know, six innings quality star from a Brewers pitcher? Got a lead. It's a narrow lead. I know this is really tough because we don't have the knowledge the Brewers have on just how comfortable Elvis Pagaro is right now and just where they feel I'm pushing that. I think where I would go on this. If he is comfortable, if you feel good about him, I think I stick with what they've done all season. I I think I go Pagero, Piams, Devon. And let's say if that's game one, if you need to do that, well, that opens the door. You know, you, you might have to use Abner in a really big spot at some point in this series if Devon's workload ends up pretty severe. You know, you could be looking at Abner in an eight inning. You could be looking at Abner in a ninth inning or extras, you know, with a game on a line. Um, where where do you fall on that? I think I might go Abner, Yoel, uh, Devin, and then have Pagaro as the first man out of the pen in an early high leverage spot if he has to get into a game in the sixth oh, or something like that. I think that's how I would go. But I also don't have any qualms with doing what was your bread and butter for a large part of the season. But say Miley goes five or four and two thirds and you've got a four, one lead or whatever four two lead, any kind of iteration. I don't know why I'm talking through every single possible score. I think Pagaro is that guy makes a lot of sense. And Abner is that guy makes a lot of sense as well. Um, because these games are different than regular season games. You're going to see higher leverage relievers in games earlier if that game calls for it, um, especially in this three game sample where it's like fire all your bullets. That's why they're only going. We think with 11 pitchers, cause it's like, all right, we're, we're going with our best and uh, it'll fall where it falls. But that's my long winded way of saying Abner, Yoel, Devin, but I'm cool with Pigaro, Yoel, uh, Devin as well. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't really have a problem either way. I, I think Bagaro looked good, but like just before, it looked like he'd figured it out. Uh, I do think I'd want him out there. And there is not really a bigger Abner fan than me, and I really believe in Abner. These are big spots, though. I think if you could save him a little bit and you could find the most gentle ways to introduce him to it, that is better than just being like, hey, 
this is where you are now. And also, I just don't feel like they fully transitioned to that enough in the regular season to make that be something that's going to feel really comfortable in the postseason. Like, we kind of talked about it a lot, but it didn't feel like he ever ironed out, here is your spot, it's this situation, it's this inning, it's Abner time. Abner just kind of comes along somewhat randomly, you know? And it really, it continues to feel dependent on other factors, which, I mean, based on his performance is probably not how it should be right now. But I don't blame anyone for it being like that because he's a rookie who's come up mid-season and has really settled in better than you could have anticipated based on even his performance like in the minors and some of the concerns you would have had about how it will translate. Like he's been better I mean, on it. than you would have dreamed of. And I think he's an incredible weapon to have and him and Hobie are maybe the two guys that you're going to most look to as that. And the ideal scenario is, here is that you can get at least six innings out of all of your starters and this series will take care of itself and the Brewers bullpen will look fantastic because it's not going to be stretched out of kind of ideal roles and positions and the Brewers win this series quite quickly. But I guess some of what we're weighing up is, well, if they get stretched once, something which is more likely now even than it was, where do we go then? Which also, I wonder, like, because that's, okay, we both put down Andrew Chafin as Wade Miley going up to take Woody's place as a starter, Chafin probably being a guy who would have been on the outside otherwise but could make this playoff roster now. The thing with Miley is Miley was there not just as a lefty, but as someone with Bryce who, if you needed multiple innings, and that could even have been in an innings-eating scenario where you need to save your your high-end relievers, he was there to eat those innings because he can take the workload, no problem. You're now down a guy like that, and you've just pitched Adrian Hauser, and Adrian Hauser just went, you know, deeper in the game than he often does. He pitched really, really well. Um, where Hauser would have been useful. I mean, you may have still prefer the lefty, but I do think that could have been the way they went just for this scenario. And it's like, well, what if Miley pitches well but can only give you four? Part of what might work for that is like, yeah, well, then what if Hauser could come in and give us a good four as well? That option, just based on what he pitched, it's not going to be there for this series. I don't think Colin Ray is at a place where you're going to feel comfortable doing that in the playoffs. But I do think that is that is tough too, because that's part of the equation. If Woody was healthy, like Miley, Miley serves multiple purposes in his profile as a pitcher within that group, that I think you're going to lose some of that ingredient, probably based on decisions they make. Now, we could be proven completely wrong, and the roster could come out, and people be listening to this, and like... <laughs> I don't know. What's the most Jansen jokes on it? Let's be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but you know, it'd be it'd be very clear that oh, there's someone who is used to pitching multiple innings, is kind of a starter, a starter in reserve in this mix. Who, if something goes wrong, will go out there and eat innings if that happens to be required too. Um, like that's kind of again. We just hope it doesn't come to those things factoring in, but there was maybe a more well-rounded and complete look to what the the pitching choices for a playoff roster would have been like prior to this news, which is very obvious at the top end, but I do think there's a little bit more we can drill down to. Uh, 
this is probably going to start too long of a conversation for, for me to ask the question. You can started it. Go on. What, would you rather go 12 pitchers, Jesse Winker not be on this roster, and Colin Ray be on this roster? As a break in case of emergency, yes. we need someone to just chew up yes. these innings. Yeah, so it's, would I. It's actually not, it's not a long conversation. Yes, and they should be doing yeah. that. I know they said they weren't going to do that, but circumstances have changed. And I mean, Jesse Winker as save us Jesse Winker bench bat is like a waste of time anyway. There is a very good chance that an extra pitcher and someone who could eat some innings is more valuable. <laughs> like, I'd be stunned if that's not the case. So, yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that is exactly what they should be doing now. Uh, might make for an awkward conversation with Jesse Winker, who they've been keeping hanging around for like no apparent reason all this time. But yeah, things have changed. That's a that's a good idea. Because I do think Chafin makes sense. But ideally, again, it would be Hauser. It's not going to be Hauser. You've just pitched him. Ray, by the back end of the series, he could pitch. So yeah, I would do that. Do I think they will? I feel like they're married to this Jesse Winker idea. And uh, this is the thing, unfortunately, I can like, we're already doing it, but I can get ahead of it now. This is the thing that we will probably be somewhat transfixed on. It won't, this is not going to be the thing that's going to win or lose them series. But if it goes wrong, it's just going to be one of those head scratching decisions that we'll probably put way too much attention on. And the fans will continue to talk about it. I'm like, what the hell? Why was Jesse Winker? on the roster but i you've just laid out a really good scenario for why you wouldn't do that and i think your overall roster would be better as a result so yeah craig said it'd be 11 pitchers but one of those 11 is no longer in the mix and that kind of changes a lot of your plans yeah well i mean this whole podcast by uh noon tomorrow or whenever we expect things to, to trickle out could be Obsolete, but that's fine. That's why we. Oh, do at it. least we, at least we uh, didn't record it this morning. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that, that would be that, really tough. Uh, that emergency podcast would have been the worst thing we've ever done. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was already still not great. Uh, are, are are we left in only one more spot, which is predictions? I think so. Do you want to go first, or should I? Uh, I'm gonna take a leaf out of the Eurostep uh, boys' book, and I'm gonna say Brewers at four. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a joke, of course. Um, I'm gonna go Brewers and Tree. Uh, but, but I'll just be completely honest about it, and I've laid out, and everyone's welcome to disagree. I don't feel great about it, and it's not really the Brewers' fault. This is the matchup I've been pretty consistent with. Didn't want of the options that were there when we were like, could be Cubs, could be Marlins, could be Diamondbacks. Said all along, bottom of that list for me was the Diamondbacks. Here we are, and now Brandon Woodruff is down. Don't feel great about it. I still think the Brewers have enough, but the margin could be like we could be razor's edge here. And that just means everything has to go right. Everything has to go right. Every reliever's got to bring their best stuff. You've got to get something out of all of your hitters. The Brewers are capable of that, but that is a like it's the big ask. It's not nothing. It's not nothing at all. This series has turned into something very different than it was a matter of hours ago. 
Adam, as you know, I'm a bit of a pessimist when it comes to the sports teams that I support. Would you say that's that's fair? Not really. I don't. Not as much as you probably think so. You're not a raging optimist. I'll give you that. I'm not. Um, I tend to think everything that can't go wrong will. And, Which you know, maybe, for good with, reason, maybe with good reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Carolina Panthers, NC State football, not going great. The Carolina Hurricanes are fine. Our Milwaukee Bucks, mine and yours, Adam. Uh, things are, wow. are are looking good there. Um, People might be, you know, outside your door screaming at you to retract that statement, to disown the I, Milwaukee Bucks, to stay away from the Milwaukee Bucks based on how you're framing this. I've Not me. I don't, I don't believe I've in been, the Edge Snyder curse. I've been getting courted, Adam. I've noticed. The Eurostep in the Discord. People are trying to get me on the Bucks train, and I am. I'm there. Even something you don't know about is 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 locked in. Um, I'm going Brewers in two. I'm dying on my shield. I'm dying on my shield. I haven't sensed that level of optimism from you, Trout. The episode. So it's it's. I just it's, just I I you can't. Part of it is good. I know that part of it is yeah. just it's deep inside you. But is there any particular reason why you think they'll sweep? Not just that they'll they'll advance, but they'll sweep. I think the offense is going to surprise me. I think Carlos Santana is going to have a big series. He's going to hit a couple homers. I think Yelich is going to rise to the occasion. I think Contreras is going to continue to be good. I think Willie Adamas is going to do something big and have a big moment. I think the team in facing this gut punch is going to rally around Brandon Woodruff and go and win this series for him. I can't say that I'm optimistic about what lies beyond that because of how Woodruff factors into a long series. Uh, Makes it even more difficult to win a five-gamer and a seven-gamer when you're really going to the depths of your starting rotation. But I think in these two games, uh, I think that they do it for Woody. Win it for Woody. It's mostly gut and mostly wish casting. I want this to be true. So I'd rather, I'd rather look like a fool doing this than picking them to lose and then winning. That's, that's where I'm going with here. I love I love that. You should have done that at the start. We could have had a very different podcast. Maybe I felt better. <laughs> um, to save that for the end was really quite bold. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, tomorrow on game day, I think excitement will kick back in. It's definitely been taken down a notch by the news today. But listen, we've waited. This is our second full season of podcasting about this team. Brewers fans generally haven't had to go through much uh, sitting at home on the couch and not getting to watch your team in the playoff picture. So the year off hurt everyone, hurt the players. Dave talks about that. That's over. Brewers are back in the postseason. I will say that I was excited for these games, but not nervous for them. And now I've kind of got like the the anxiety uh, shakes going on. Uh, because I, I was keeping my 2-0 prediction no matter what. But when I saw Fott uh, announced as the starter yesterday, I was like, okay, you know, get to him. And then next day, 
Woody's going seven, Shuddy. Get yeah. me one run. Get me two run. Don't care. Mm-hmm. So that's what. So I was real confident then, and now I'm I just going in it. with. I'm going in with just like excitement, but also like I'm gonna be pacing. And I've I've got a work trip. I'm gonna be in my hotel room just pacing, hitting up the mini bar to a degree that you know uh, is going to be probably bad for my next morning uh, field of work. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. All right, to hear us talk about the entire series, game by game is the plan. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That's Cruising for a Bruising. Once again, if you're listening to this in the books feed, thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We hope you're excited for the Brewers postseason run to get underway. Uh, you won't hear the rest of our episodes throughout the postseason. Maybe one or two will drop here if things go really well for the Brewers. But if you want to listen to every episode of the pod, there's only one place for that. It's Cruising for a Bruising. Wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find us there. Of course, you should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows if you're listening to this one. Some of you may be listening to it on the main feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network feed, home to all things Milwaukee books. I mean, you should be subscribed already, particularly, particularly after the week we've just had. Uh, Second podcast, Breaking Down the Damian Lillard Trade, dropped on there on Monday. Ty Windish back from some time away, giving his thoughts on... Just the league-changing, era-defining trade the books pulled off. Team up Damian Lillard and Giannis together. So Ty and Rohan, who doesn't want us to their thoughts on uh, on the, the Lillard trade? Maybe just disregard some of what they say about the baseball. But on the, the Lillard trade, I can't think of two better guys. They also bully me like every episode, which is fine. Um, mostly about the Hornets, but uh, as we just heard, uh, you know, turning over a new leaf there. Also, I don't, I'm not going to say who, but in the in my DMs and Discord, one I can see, uh, some people I've been chatting with see their Spotify connected. One of our friends is listening to Dame Dalla uh, at the moment, so uh, Bucks Nation's fired up. Uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check that out now and see who exactly that is. Doesn't surprise me. I know one person has been very, very vocal about listening to Dame Dollar. Oh, it does surprise me somewhat. But there we go. <laughs> Packers. Talking of, you know, sadness and happy times for Wisconsin sports. Um, hopefully the Packers are going to bounce back this week. Get back on track with a win. Win, lose, whatever the outcome. You won't find better Packers podcasting. I'm with Jordan and Numak, Talk of the Tundra. That's our Packers podcast here at GSPN. Make sure you're subscribed. And last but by no means least, for talk of movies, pop culture, other things, go check out Make Time for This. You'll hear more from Andrew and I there. Same day? Yeah, I was thinking about it, but yeah. Same day you'll listen to this. Probably available right now, or if not soon after. Um, we have an episode on Wes Anderson's four short films that dropped on Netflix around the end of last week and over the weekend. And uh, we'll be talking about Stop Making Sense and some of the all-time great concert films very soon there too. If that sounds interesting to you, go subscribe to Make Time for This. Go Brewers! Now go more Brewers. than ever, go Brewers! Yeah. Thanks, as always, to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam.